Hello, good afternoon, good evening, good morning to whoever listening, tuning in to the show at whatever time. Y'all know I'm your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word. Yes, sir. We back here with another episode. You know, I know I didn't drop anything last week, guys. That's my apologies, but I am back today, and best part about it, we got some NBA back, right? I mean, you know, the NBA season kicked off with the Nets versus Lakers. Lakers got absolutely thracks, but it's the preseason. No one, I don't think, the only notable player that played, I believe, was Anthony Davis. And he didn't play that long. So, not too many people are going to look into it that deeply. Simply put, because there's nothing to look into. It's the preseason. It doesn't matter. Once, you know, the season actually starts, that's when things can start to be looked at. And not even until then, really, the all after the All Star break is when teams start to really settle in. Like, okay, let's see who we really have as contenders or possible ch- contending teams. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> a couple guys have looked good to me so far in the preseason for their new teams. I thought Carmelo Anthony looked really good last night for the Lakers. You know, he did a lot of ISO scoring, posted guys up. I believe it was last night against the Suns. Posted some guys up and things of that nature. I think Cooper, I think Sharif Cooper, I might be butchering his name. The point guard that came from Auburn that's playing for the Hawks right now. I think he's legit, man. I, I said he was legit coming out of school. I think he's still legit. He's look he's looking really good so far for this, the Hawks in the preseason. He isn't going to, you know, of course, be the starter. He may not even play significant minutes. For the Hawks, but I do believe there will come a point where he will, and I think every team needs a backup scoring option off the bench, and I think he can end up becoming that for them because I think he has that kind of skill set. He to me is just about him developing the mentality and the confidence to score at this level. But other than that, I wholeheartedly believe in him as a player. And now that all that being said, as I said, the preseason is upon us. But it's, it's another news story I wanted to talk about regarding the NBA. And that's to, has everything to do with COVID and vaccination. And I think I know where I'm going with this. I wanted to speak about the Kyrie Irving situation and him not wanting to get vaccinated. So as you all may know, Kyrie Irving is in danger of losing a lot of money. I'm not sure the exact numbers, but I believe it was like 250 per home game he will lose out on because he refuses to get vaccinated. And that results in him not only not being able to play in home games, but also he is unable to practice with the team. So this is a guy who will miss out on literally half the season, never practice, and may very well, you know, may very well be in his career because of this. And The Nets are growing frustrated and tiresome of Kyrie as some reports that came out. And I believe that I believe sooner or later they're going to move on from him. I truly believe that. And this goes back to the Ben Simmons rumors for me. I still believe the Nets and the Sixers should make that trade because both teams, to me, in my personal opinion, get better. I already gave my reason as why. If you want to go listen to him, by all means, go check out my. I believe I. I believe I dropped the episode probably like two episodes ago. But by all means, you can go check it out. I believe both teams will get better in that situation. 
Now, with all that being said, I've given Kyrie Irving a lot of heat for a lot of life choices he has made, for a lot of mistakes I believe he has made, for a lot of just immaturity on his part. To me, just trying to be too outspoken or woke, whatever the case may be. But this, I'm going to have to completely agree with him with. I'm going to have to completely agree with him because, to me, a person should not receive any kind of medication, vaccine, medicine, treatment, whatever the case may be, that they don't want to receive. They shouldn't be forced to do it, regardless if it's for your position or career or not. A person shouldn't be forced into actually getting a shot for something that they don't fully agree with or get behind. Because at the end of the day, that's that person's personal life to live. I understand that he is in this business. I understand that this is a part of his career. You know, it's about, you know, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's professionalism. It's, you know, how to carry yourself. It's about what's better for the team. But at the end of the day, if a person does not hold the same values, the same beliefs as you, then you should have chastised them or patronized them or even penalized them because they don't. And if Kyrie Irving doesn't want to get the vaccine, he shouldn't be forced to get the vaccine. And I know a lot of guys are giving, I know a lot of people, I, I personally know a lot of people who are giving him heat for this. And to me, I just don't understand why. Like, how can a guy, how can a guy simply get so much heat and flake and flat flake, excuse me, because of his personal beliefs? Now, I'm, I was kind of disappointed in Andrew Wiggins because he went and got the vaccine. Now, I understand why he did it. Of course, I mean, it's your job, it's your career. You don't want to lose money. You got family to feed. I, I get it. But when you a man who will a man who won't stand for something will fall for anything. I truly believe that. And I completely understand why Kyrie's doing what he's doing. If this if this may if this is going to write him off for the rest of his career because of his, you know, inability or his not wanting or unwillingness to get vaccinated. Then, I mean, by all means, I think that is something he would die, live and die by. Because at the end of the day, he's a strong-minded individual. He's a very intelligent man. But I just don't believe he should be forced or even, at this point, instructed to go get vaccinated. Because at the end of the day, it's his choice. I don't, I don't feel as if the NBA, the teams, anybody of that matter has the right to say that what he can and cannot do. <clears throat> so I just think that's kind of iffy. And to move on in another news story, I don't know if you all seen it or not, but in, I believe it was last night or the night before, Steph Curry tried to get a blatant foul call and the ref literally told him, he said, nah, not this year. <laughs> well, not the ref, the commentator said that. I mean... It's going to be a fun year, man, because guys going to actually have to try to score now. You know, not just get saved by free throws or getting to the line. Not to say that that's what a lot of players depend on, but it is something you can lean on when, you know, you're trying to eat the clock or you're trying to, like, get your team calm and trying to slow the pace down a little bit. So it's something to look out for this season. 
And to me, this is going to be a fun NBA season, man. I, I just want to see how this is going to pan out with Kyrie Irving, honestly. I want to see what the Nets do for him, do with him. Because I, I, don't, I don't believe he's going to fold. I don't think he's going to pull an Andrew Wiggins and he's going to just cave in and say, you know, I'll get the vaccine. I think he's going to stand firm with his beliefs. And with all that being said, I truly think the Nets are going to move on from him. I think that's their best bet at this point because it's either he retired or he moves on and goes play for another team. <clears throat> In all honesty, both either one can happen at any given moment now at this point of the season. Despite the fact that it's still preseason, you want to be sure about this your starting five. And regardless of what people say about Kyrie Irving, He's a terrific basketball player. So he's going to be a someone starting five by the beginning of the season. I guarantee you that. And another thing I want to speak about in the basketball world is, simply put, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Heat, I believe, will be two teams that will be contending. I think the Bulls will also be a team to be reckoned with as well. I don't think they're contenders, but I think they'll be a fourth or fifth seed out east. And out west for me, I think another sleeper team for me out west, I think could be the Grizzlies. And I think the Warriors are going to come back pretty good. But we shall see. Now let's get into the NFL news, people. Now the NFL news... Before I get into my predictions this week, I want to say this. I told people about three, four years ago that Ben Roethlisberger was done. I told people this. I literally, still a fans, football fans, whoever, I told people that Big Ben is done. His arm isn't the same. He doesn't throw it the same. He's, he's not the same aggressive nature quarterback. He's not nearly as athletic as he once was. He can't move and maneuver in the pocket like how he once did. And just to be frank, he looks like a shell of himself. Like I'm, I'm, I know a lot of people don't know this, but Big Ben at one point in time was actually a, a pretty decent athlete at quarterback. He wasn't no world breaker like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray, but he was a pretty decent athlete. And all that has gone out the window. And I told people this about four years ago. I told them this. Like, listen, Big Ben is done. And since that time period, he's been hurt. His players progressively gotten worse. And also, he's he's simply, he's not good. He, he's just not. He's not throwing the ball with any precision or anticipation anymore. It's just he's throwing it to just see what would happen at this point. And to me... That's a loser recipe for any quarterback. I mean, you could be whoever. You could be Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes. If you're not throwing the ball with some kind of anticipation, some precision, some accuracy, you're going to make bad choices. (coughs) Excuse me. And that's what's happening with him. He's making bad choices, bad decisions. And they're causing the Steelers a lot of games, man. I mean, that Bengals game was ugly for Ben Roethlisberger. But I told guys this. They told me I was crazy. Now they're starting to see why I said what I said. 
And to be honest with you, at this point, I don't I don't see what the Steelers have to lose them trying to see what they got in Dwayne Haskins. I mean, if, if Ben Roethlisberger comes out of this, and I be, I believe they play the Broncos, a, a, a solid team, and they go out and lose to the Broncos because the Steelers are one and three right now. They they not that the season is over by any means, but you 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 are in a very tough division. The AFC ain't got no weaker. It's gotten stronger, matter of fact. And your next your next three games, you got the Broncos. Let's see who else they got. Seahawks. And they got a bye week after that. But then they come back and play the Browns. So you you you've got a you got a pretty hefty schedule for the next three games you play. You gotta know what you got in Dwayne Haskins, man. Because at the end of the day. You have to know, do you have to go find your guy or can you build around Haskins? You have to. And I think at some point, at some point in this season, he, he's going to have to be your starter because you have to find out if you got something in him. Because you, you see it already. Ben is done. He's done. It's, it's, it. That's, it's over. It's it for him. So there's no need to keep trotting him out there when you know what you already have in him. He's done. You got to see what you got in Dwayne Haskins. But with all that being said, let me get into some more game thoughts of mine. And I'm going to say this. The Bills are looking like the real deal again, man. They've got the Chiefs this week. The Chiefs have not looked exactly like the dominant force we have come to, you know, expect the past three, three four years. But they still the Chiefs. Still got the best quarterback in the league. Still got the best dynamic playmaker in the league and still got the best tight end in the league. Arguably the best tight end in the league. Because I still believe that's George Kittle. But right now it's, it's hard to make an argument against Travis Kelsey because he's just been dominant, man. And with all that being said, the Bills, they they're they going to have to come and show that they're, they're ready this year. Josh Allen hasn't been exactly lights out. This season, like how he was last season, but he's still looking pretty solid. He still looks pretty good, and the Bills' defense looks outstanding. It, I mean, it's not that I believe they're the best defense in the league, anything like that. But they they easily look like a top five unit in the league. I mean, it's nasty over there right now, man. And then you got to deal with the offense already. They're gonna be a tough out for anybody. I'm telling y'all that now. They're they're going to be a tough out. Now, with all that being said, another team I want to speak briefly about, and then I want to, I want to get into the Chargers because, for one, Justin Herbert is looking like an absolute stud. I'm talking about this guy is a baller guy. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna just read you all his numbers so far this season. He has a hundred percent rating, a one hundred and point one. Right, he has over eleven hundred yards on the season. Exactly, he has eleven hundred seventy-eight yards. He has nine TDs to three interceptions. So he has a three to one interception ratio. And he's completing. Let me see. Let me look at this. And he's completing sixty-nine percent of his passes. I'm not saying, you know, that's godly level, but for a second-year quarterback to do what he's doing, man, this is 
it's 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 very impressive, man. Cause it's it's pros not putting up these numbers right now. Like better seasoned vets. This guy's a baller, man. The Chargers got them one. And it hurts my heart because as a Dolphin fan, it's you could have got him. You, you could have got him. And that's going to go into my next take. As you all know, I always end. We're talking about the Miami Dolphins before I get into my season predictions. I mean, week predictions. And I want to say this. i seen Colin Cowards talk about this a little bit. I've seen a couple of other Miami Dolphin podcasters I watch and writers like guys like Omar Kelly and I don't um t- I think believe his name is Tobin his page you know Skaggs who else uh Dougley Durong I believe that's how he says his name TD Fence I Dolphins talk I listen to a lot of podcasts about my team guys I'm not gonna lie to you I do I listen to a lot of football period I watch a lot of football, period. But as a Dolphins fan, that's where I say 75% of my time is committed when it comes to the sport. The other 25% is for the other, you know, teams. And I will say this. I love Tua. Love him to death. Love him. But if Tua doesn't come back and show you why he needs to be your guy, because the deadline, the, the trade deadline, I believe, is November 2nd. I believe that's the trade deadline. If he doesn't show you from that, from the beginning of November, which I know the trade deadline is in, if he doesn't show you something from the beginning of November to from this point to the beginning of November, to me, you got to move on. You got to move on from that point because you have nothing. You don't have the pleasure of waiting to see. You don't. Cause right now your office is terrible. It's terrible. Is is you got you got some pretty good receivers. They ain't panning out like you thought they were. Your running backs, you knew they were no good coming in. They still no good coming in. That's just what it is. The offensive line. We even got to talk about offensive line. Everyone in around the league knows your offensive line is probably the worst unit in the league. If we're being honest, it probably is. See, offenses look terrible. The defense has been okay. I mean, it's regressed. Don't get me wrong. The defense has regressed, but they definitely aren't. They definitely aren't terrible. But they have gotten worse from last season. So you look at all those things, and you look like, man, what can the Dolphins do to actually start to piece things together and look like the team a lot of people thought they were going to look like, like a playoff contending team. To be to be fair and to be honest with you guys, I must be as objectively as I possibly can be. To me, the season's over. And I know it's only week five. I know people are like, oh, it's still 13 more games to be played. It's, this is Listen, man. You cannot continually have these slow starts, especially out in the AFC, and expect to be contending for any playoff spot. You uh, let me break it down for you guys. You already lost to two possible playoff wild card teams, the Colts and the Raiders. You already lost to them. Now you did beat the Patriots, but to me the Patriots wasn't contending for anything. I think they, I think they pretty much gave in the season once they announced that they were starting Matt Jones over Cam Newton. 
They want to their, their their focus isn't about the season and making the playoffs. Their focus is on developing their young quarterback. So to me, this wasn't a team that you should have been worried about from the jump making the playoffs because that's not their goal. Now, if it happens for them, that's a plus. That just means they're ahead of schedule. But that to me, that's not their goal. And to be honest, that wasn't your goal this year either. You just so happened to have a pretty good season the year before, so people expected you to be better because, well, you, you went out and had, you went out and drafted talent. You went out and signed more free agents. So people expected you to be better. And you've been the complete opposite. You've been worse. And I know people say it all the time, oh, but a Brian Flores-led team has started slowing pitted up through the year. Oh, but it's early in the season. It's hard to tell what you have. So listen, this. let me tell you all the difference. The biggest difference to me is, one, this team is very undisciplined. And that is something we have not seen from a Brian Flores-led team. They, if they were anything, they were disciplined. They have been anything but that. I, I literally, I think they're a bottom three team in the league when it comes to penalties. And they're literally the worst. Last I checked, they were the worst team on third down percentage on, defenses, on the defensive side. That's terrible. You're not going to beat anyone if you can't get off the field, man. It's just that simple. And with that being said, another thing to me that shows why these it's a bit worrisome and we should be a bit troubled as fans is the simple fact that there are no veterans on this team. There's no veteran leadership on this team. Yes, you got veterans. You got Byron Jones. You got Xavier Howard. You got a, a guy who's a, not really a veteran, but he's a veteran compared to your team, Jerome Baker, Christian Wilkins. Like, you got young guys who've been in the league, or guys in their prime who's been in the league a couple of seasons, but they're not leaders. It is a difference between being a leader and a veteran. These are just veteran players. A leader was the Kyle Van Noyes of the world. Get rid of them. A leader was the Bobby McCain's of the world. You got rid of them. Now, I'm not saying these guys were world breakers and they were just the most dynamic players you've ever seen in your life because they weren't. I wasn't a Bobby McCain fan. But he orchestrated the secondary. He got guys in places. He got them in position and things of that nature. To me, that's irreplaceable. Because he, you, that's a coach on the field. Same thing with Convin Noah. He got guys in positions. He got guys to, you know, to adjust, to slide over, to fill a gap correctly. He delayed blitz and things of that nature to help, to help the ends get more pressure, things like that. Those kind of things are replaceable. Those coaches on the field. You cut those two guys. You got rid of Shaq Lawson for a guy that you cut. And again, I have no idea why they cut Bernard McKinney. Zero. Zilch. I have no idea at all why they did. Because the run defense has been trash. Again, I have no idea why you cut one of the best run stuff, stuffing linebackers in the league. I have no idea at all why you do that. And the fact that they haven't given him a call back to see if they could, you know, get him back on the team. To me, it's absolutely astonishing, and to be quite frank and blunt with you, it's an absolute joke. It's a joke. And 
lastly, the thing that scares me is the fact that, to me, it does not seem as if they have a solution. I mean, to, to anything right now. Like, players seem to be getting frustrated. I don't know if you all watched the game with the coach, but Xavier Howard, he looked like he's giving up, man. And what makes it so bad is that that's your best player. I know he's not a leader like I just said, but if the young guys start to see that the best player on the team basically just go through the motions and not really care, like, oh, screw it. You know, we're out here. We're going to be out here 35 minutes anyway. We might as well just take a, a breather here and there. Guys like Javon Hollins and Jalen Phillips and these other young guys, they're going to look like, well, is it like, then, then why the hell are we trying? Like, why are we overexerting ourselves if the best guy on the team isn't even going to put in the full effort? Like, like is that what we're doing here? Like, that's what they're going to start looking at. Because at the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, it's, 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 Something, it's, it's something that can reflect on others. It's something that can have other people get down on themselves when they see the best guy on the team not giving his full effort. And it doesn't, listen, it doesn't help that tool is hurt right now. It doesn't. But I want to say this. A lot of people are saying, like I mentioned Colin Carr earlier, he was saying basically like the, you know, the, the honeymoon phase. I, I'm, I'm not, don't quote me, guys, because I'm not sure of his exact words. But I know what he was saying. Like he said, the love fest, the honeymoon phase, basically the three-year window that the love fest people have for Brian Flores is over. You know, it's, it's time to put up the results. And that's why I say, that's why I say, I'm not upset when people say he's on the hot seat. The hot listen, this is a misconception about being on the hot seat. The hot seat, being on the hot seat does not mean you're going to be fired next year. It doesn't mean that. The hot seat literally means, listen, you put together this team, or in in general cases, you put us in this situation, you put together this team. You did this. You made this move. You said you wanted this. I got it. You said you wanted this guy. I went and got him. Show me why I got this guy. Show me why you needed this. Show me why you needed that. Like, I want to start seeing the fruits of my labor. Show me. That's the hot seat. Because when, you, when, you, when you're unable to show, then that's when the firing discussion comes. Because at that point, you had the opportunity to prove why all the moves you made were the best moves. You haven't done that. You haven't found an OC since you've been here. Your office has been trashed since you've been here. You haven't had a good running back since you've been here. You haven't had a quarterback since you've been here. I know I know a lot of guys are going to keep telling me it's early on tour. It's hard to judge. You got to run the record. Listen to me, man. First off, that winning record BS since 2019, the only quarterback. I don't want to hear that, man. Because if you if you if you guys are gonna sit here and tell me, if you put Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, who else? Lamar Jackson, I mean who whoever. 
I mean, I think Lamar came in. Not Lamar. So let's let's use Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert as an example. It's no way in hell people gonna sit here and tell me that if you would have brought in Justin Herbert last season or Kyler Murray last season, they wouldn't have went ten and six at minimum with that Dolphins team last year. There's no way you're gonna tell me that. There's no way. There's no way in in the world you're gonna tell me that. Cause both guys, at the end of the day, regardless of how you wanna cut it, let's just look at it in black and white. I don't want to hear that, you know, oh, this, this, the complimentary football, oh, he did this, he did that, he didn't lose. Who's the better player? Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray are clear as day better than two, period. That's it. End of discussion. So if you put the better player on a better team, on that same team, they're going to give you the same result. In fact, they might even be better because they're the better player. And I personally believe, if from what we've seen from Justin Herbert, it's pretty safe to say he could have went to Miami and translated the same success. Why? Because, one, last season, the Chargers' offensive line was terrible. It was horrific. It was terrible. And, oh, but as far as he had weapons, Keenan Allen was hurt a lot of games last year. His number one option was Mike Williams who is literally Devontae Parker 2.0. That they're literally the same player. Literally. You turn on the tape. Go watch the film. And you try to tell me the difference between Mike Williams and Devontae Parker's game. They're literally the same exact player. Literally. There's no difference in these guys at all. So when Mike Williams was his only option throwing the ball to, because Hunter Henry was bad on injuries as well, and don't forget, again, Keenan Allen was battling injuries. So he only literally – and Austin Eckler was out as well. So this guy's down three starters. He's down three starters in his, his skill position. He's down three starters in his, his, in his, on his own line. Because Ryan Belaga was hurt. Uh, Mike Pouncey got hurt. Ended up retiring. And they, I believe they had another injury in one of their guard positions. I can't remember. But he was down three linemen. He was down three skill positions and still went out there and looked terrific. So I'm not hearing the excuses that, oh, well, he wouldn't have had the weapons he had at the chart. What, what weapons? The, the similar ones to Miami? I mean, at least he would have had a, a way better defense that would put him in good field position, that would have got off the field and gave him more opportunities with the ball. At the end of the day, man, I'm not hearing those excuses. Brian Flores has to show why the fruits of, his, of you know, Stephen Ross' labor has been, what what is what has happened to him? What have you harvested? Like, what is here? Excuse me if you all hear the dog in the background. But what is here? Like, what are we doing? What is the vision? This is the vision you sold me on. Let me see it come to fruition. Show me. And to be honest, you haven't seen it yet. You just haven't. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to sit and say, oh, well, you know, he is a such and such. He did this for us. He overachieved this year. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I'm going to be real blunt. I could care less about more victories. I don't care about he won more games than he should have two years ago. He won five games. Period. This was a five-win team. I don't care how you want to cut it. That's bad. 
Did he overachieve? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's still bad. It's a, you're a top five pick at the end of the day. That's a bad team. It's a bad team. Went to the sits last year. Granted, he overcame expectations last year. He did a hell of a job. Made people excited for this year. But this was the difference. This, this, is, what, this is what people have to understand. The defense and special teams were otherworldly last season. And the defense is specifically when it came to taking the ball away and getting off the field on third down. Well, you're not getting off the field third down this year, and your turnover rate is not as nearly as high as it was last season. So now what? Now you got to actually depend on your offense and your defense actually being legitimate. And we haven't really seen that out of either one. I still think the defense is pretty solid, but it's, it's not what it was last season. It's because they're not producing the turnovers at the rate that they were last season. And that has a lot to, that shows a lot that you depended on those very same turnovers to get you in games and to win games. I mean, I could think of a game off the head right now that without a turnover, you would have lost. The Arizona Cardinals game, without the Shaq loss and fumble recovery for six, you lose that game. So I'm just saying, man, I mean, something has to give. And the most worrisome thing I alluded to earlier, to me, about all of this, is the fact that he cannot put together an offensive staff to save his life. I don't care how good of a defensive mind you are. The analytics shows a good offense can translate from season to season before a good defense does. So you can't be betting on your defense to be these world beaters who are really good each and every season. I mean, we, we're good, but we don't have the talent that, you know, a team like the Rams have or what's another top defense? Uh, even the Ravens, if I'm being honest. Because, or the Steelers. Because why? Our front seven is nowhere near as good as those teams. No one near. Now, I think our D-line has potential to be really good because I think Jalen Phillips, I was hard on him at first, but he's looking real good. He's looked real good these past two games. I think we're calling Davis once he gets back. I think he's going to be one of the better run-stuffing and, you know, harder-to-move players in the league. I think Zach Sealer is a silent assassin. I think he's a guy who's truly going to come into his own this next coming year or two. And I think he's already playing really high-level football. I'm not that high on Christian Wilkins, but I do believe he's a good complementary player to a lot of those guys. And Emmanuel Ogba, he's your best pass rusher. I mean, forever, whatever that you want to take with that, but he is your best pass rusher. To me, the linebackers have to be better, though. Jerome Baker, you make it, I believe, $16 million a year now. I need to see more. I'm sorry, man. I need to see more. I'm not seeing it right now. They told me you were a good coverage linebacker. I haven't seen it. You get beat every time a running back comes out of the backfield. I haven't seen it yet. They line drop out wide a lot of times against against on the Raiders. I'm gonna say Oakland. You got beat a lot. <laughs> I haven't seen it. I I just haven't. That's not me saying he's a bad player. I think he's a very talented player. The game be extremely good, but I haven't seen it. I need to see more. I don't like Atlanta Roberts. I am not a fan of Atlanta Roberts at all. I don't care for the one or two plays he makes a game or might make. I don't care for it. He's out of place a lot of times. 
He plays downhill, but he is reckless. He guesses more than he actually anticipates. I'm not I'm not a fan of him at all. And Andrew Van Geekel, I think he's a better I think he's a better blitzing linebacker than he is an actual linebacker. I don't think he's a guy you're gonna want to drop back in coverage or anything of that nature. So to me, the linebackers had to be better. I feel the same way I feel about Andrew Van Geekel, the same way I feel about Andrew. I mean, Sam McGuire. But that's enough of my little rant, guys. And let me get into the fan Q&A. And let me start off on Instagram right now. Because we had a few questions come in from there as well. So this first question comes from uh, a good friend of mine with a college with nickname Fetty. He, he said, who do you think the top two teams will be in the NFL? So when he say top two teams... I'm going to think of it from the perspective like who I think would be the two teams in the Super Bowl. And as it stands right now, I think the Rams, I, I like them to go to the Super Bowl. I know they just came off a pretty bad loss to the Cardinals. But to me, the Cardinals are they're being carried by a very, very good offense right now. I'm, I'm not fully sure if Kyler Murray can hold up this level of play. I hope he does because he's in my fantasy team. But I'm not sure if he can hold up this style of play, this kind of play all season. And I'm not a firm believer on, on the on the defensive side of the ball. I don't outside of Byron Murphy and Deion Buchanan, I'm not too big on their secondary, especially their corners. I'm not big on them at all. And their front seven, I like Simmons. I like Jones, but I mean, I gotta see more out of some of these guys. And I just think the Rams are a more complete team, and I think they're the more, I think they're the better coach team. And I'm not gonna write them off because of one loss against these guys. They've had their numbers since before that matchup, so we'll see. So I got the Rams going out the NFC, and then in the AFC, this is kind of tough for me. I'm going to go with the Bills. And as it pains me to say that as a Dolphins fan, but the Bills just look unstoppable right now. The Chiefs aren't looking like the unstoppable force that we've once seen in the past. And the Bills just look great on both sides of the ball right now, man. It's hard to beat. It's, it looks like it's going to be real hard to beat them. So those are my top two teams in the NFL, I believe. So this next question comes from Byron Johnson. Another guy I went to school with. Cool dude. Do you think Zion Zion's career is in jeopardy if he doesn't lose weight? So you talking about Zion Williamson? Short answer, no. And I'm going to tell you why I don't believe it's in jeopardy. Simply because... Simply because the guy, simply put, has played at that size his entire career. I mean, could he cut down a few pounds? He has. I mean, he's... He's slimmed up and bulked up a pretty good amount. He's lost some weight. So I'm not really too worried about that because he's already shown the ability to, you know, hold himself accountable and actually trim down a little or, you know, bulk up or chisel up. So he's a guy that I'm not worried about in the least when it comes to that. So, no, I don't think it would ruin his career or even affect it at all, if I'm being honest. What he does have to worry about is moving on from the damn Pelicans. <laughs> That's what that's what will ruin his career before his weight does. 
This next question comes from Vern Sissy Carmichael. This is my auntie. She, she said, how about them boys? Uh, auntie, I got to admit, man, the Cowboys look real good, man. It was was surprising. Their defense looks better than I thought it would look because they didn't really make any huge changes outside of getting Micah Parsons. They didn't really make huge changes to their team. And they, they look good. I mean, I'm, I'm still not a believer in Mike McCarthy by any means. I just want people to know that. But they look good. I'll give that to them right now. And this next question comes from Van Velsen. Why does Pittsburgh not change QBs? Well, I, I spoke about this briefly in the show. And the reason I believe they don't change QBs is because they don't simply believe in change. I mean, look at it. The past, what? I think 25, 30 years, the Steelers have had, what, not even that. I think longer than that, probably like 40. They had, what, three head coaches? They don't, they're not a team who is, you know, prone to changing. They're a team that likes to stick to their guns. And I think that, that could be a double-edged sword because they have had a lot of coaching success, but they need to realize that Big Ben is done. I'm not sure why it's taking this long to realize that, but they have to. And the last question comes from Nolan Martinez. Should the Dolphins sell the farm on tour and buy Watson? I'm going to be honest with y'all. I am huge on Deshaun Watson. I am. I'm a fan of tour, man. Love tour. I got a jersey. But if I'm the Dolphins, I'm going all out for Watson, man. I'm going all even even if I can't get the shot Watson, because you know the legal matters and things of that nature. If you if you don't want to go after him for that, I understand completely. But this up this up this upcoming offseason, Aaron Rodgers is a free agent, and I if I'm the Dolphins, I'm looking at what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just did for Tom Brady. They literally brought him in, and he gravitated guys towards him there. I mean, they're already a talented team. This is already a talented team as well. They got young talent. You bring in Aaron Rodgers, you could possibly bring in a guy like Devontae Adams who wants to play with Aaron Rodgers. You bring in Aaron Rodgers, you can attract the guy to be a good running back for you because why he's playing with Aaron flipping Rodgers is not rocket science. Go get one of these quarterbacks. But... That'll be it for me today, guys. Y'all, please be sure to like, subscribe, comment, anything of that nature. Y'all remember, I am on YouTube. Any podcast stream, you can find podcasts. That includes Apple. That includes Spotify. That includes Radio In. That includes TuneIn. That includes whatever. I'm there. Trust me. And if you don't see me there, y'all can always follow me on Instagram, Facebook, you know, things of that nature. Hey, so y'all leave a comment. Let me know what y'all think. And I'll see y'all in the next one.